constantly seems like it's heating up worse and worse uh, in this country. The lies, the deception, the the absolute garbage that is coming at us in order to confuse us. Uh, that way they can manipulate us into believing their gigantic lie that the government now cares about you and that you can now take the name of God out of the National Day of Prayer and just as the president said, pray as your own tradition leads you. Folks, that is the problem with today's church. It is pray as whatever you feel is leading you and however you feel good. Folks, it's killing the United States of America. Uh, it's the believers here. And those who were so adamant and knew the, the, the difference between right and wrong growing up, people are starting to second guess themselves because of this abundance of lies going out. Just like take, for example, this UFO phenomenon that they are trying to shove down our throats, preparing us to receive the Antichrist one day, preparing us to, to receive a false Messiah that is coming. And the reason they are doing this right now, because if they do it in the movies, if they show you in, in Hollywood that, listen, transhumanism is the natural progression, and yes, aliens are the ones who seeded this place a long time ago, and we're just a little blip in the galaxy, which folks, actually, in God's realm, we are a little blip. But they are prepping us, so now as they leak footage of these aerial aircrafts and these alien so-called beings, people begin to question, what if God isn't God? What if the Bible isn't true? What if, what if, and what if? And what's happening is people are being derailed from the very things that God told us was going to come in the last days. Folks, the the absolute utter um, uh, and complete deception of, of the most outrageous, uh, miraculous things are getting ready to happen on this planet. You know, you. I don't care how you interpret different things, but the Bible talks clearly of the supernatural nature in the last days of calling down fire again from heaven by the false prophet, statues that speak, all these things that are going to happen in order to deceive. And if you are not firmly planted right now, well, folks, it's already begun. The deception's already here and beginning. And if you don't reground yourself quickly and you don't get to a place where you can turn this absolute garbage off, I'm telling you right now, you will be deceived. Don't believe like Peter, Lord, I will never deny you because folks, that will not happen. Peter denied the Lord because he tried to stand in his own flesh. Now, thank God he got born again in the spirit and he was one of the most amazing uh, New Testament apostles there were. But the truth was that lesson teaches us the dangers of our flesh. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, the name above every name, Yeshua, the Most High, the Prince of Peace, we come to you asking that our minds be protected. 
Lord, that our flesh would simply just be removed, Lord. The pleasures of the flesh would not be our desire, but the high calling of God would be that to which we desire to attain. Lord, we ask that you would bless us by keeping us safe. Lord, that you would bless us not of riches in this world, but of a close walk with God, knowing that if we walk close with God, all things will be taken care of, no matter what it is that holds us back. You will take care of that. Father, we believe it because we've asked it in the name of Yeshua. And Lord, we come against all the foreign powers that of the enemy that would come in and try to derail this program. And in the name of Jesus, may they be bound up and cast out. And, and Lord, protect this show with your mighty hedge of warring angels standing shoulder to shoulder that the words of truth would come forward in such a way that, Lord, we would be able to follow you with our mind, bodies, hearts, our spirit. Lord, everything, our entire personage would follow you, Lord, is my prayer. In Jesus, Yeshua's name, amen. Now, folks, this, as you see, keeps ramping up, and we keep talking about what's coming and the things on this earth, and and we've looked, you know, look at the battle in Ezekiel thirty eight and all these things, and 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 I know that some people think they're going to disappear and all that. Well, I'm, that's not the remnant call. So if you think that's what this channel is, no, we believe that the Lord will keep us and protect us all the way through to the end. If you want to comment and tell me how I'm wrong, please don't, because I'm not going to pay attention to it. I know what the Lord says in His Word. We are getting out of here at the last trump. That's what the Bible says. If you think the church is one thing and Israel is something different, I've got news for you. Go reread Romans chapter 11. You're either grafted in to the branch or you are not. And so if you're not grafted in, the, the whole thing is called replacement theology. It's not from God. We did not replace Israel. We are a part. We've been grafted in. We belong to Israel. Through the blood of Jesus, it's not our human blood that makes us apart. It is because of the blood that was shed we become a part of. It's a glorious, wonderful thing to know that we truly belong to the family of God. We have been grafted in, contrary even to nature, but even us Gentiles, even though we have been grafted in, those who believe must also be grafted back in again because the branches had been plucked off, meaning simply this, that if you're a natural-born Jew, you must also believe in Yeshua, just like us who the nations, the you know, and I, I don't know, I could be uh, have uh, Hebrew blood in me. I have no idea uh, if I do or don't. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. What matters is the blood of Jesus that was shed so that I could be a part. And folks, we got to grasp that image. We belong truly to the family of God. And the, the reason I say this, it's so important because we th this rapture is not your fire escape plan, okay? You're not just going to be beamed out of here. They tried preaching that in China for years. Guess what happened after all the years of persecution? They finally realized they're not getting out of here until the end either. So you can just go with what you've been taught your whole life, or you can re-examine the Word of God again. If this makes you mad about the remnant call, I just want to be honest with you. We are not a rapture, a pre-tribulation 
Christian rapture teaching program. Now, do I have friends that believe in the pre-trib rapture? Yes, I do. Do I love them? Absolutely. Will I fellowship with them? Yes, I do. Even though we don't always see eye to eye, that doesn't mean that I don't. We have the same common purpose, but I have a concern when your belief is that you can just suddenly disappear in a moment and you're going to be fine from everything instead of taking the preparation time that we know that the bad times are coming, that we are ready to withstand whatever it may be. And why do we all of a sudden get to disappear at the end of the age and all the martyrs in the first century church, they suffered all this horrendous things that went on and all of a sudden we, the most wicked generation, just gets to pop right out of here? It's ridiculous. That uh, that argument never even came to be until the mid-1800s. Folks, I know for fact in that because I was down at an ancient Christian library in a city not far from here, and the man who owned it, and we would go back and forth about the rapture all the time. And I remember when I would see him, I'd say, hey, man, you still on that rapture thing? He said, well, it could go either way. And he got me up and he took me over to this section of old, ancient, historical books. And he said, do you see all these books right here? He said, these books are men's thoughts on prophecy. He said, all the way down since he had had, and he had, as the library went back, I think to the 1500s, uh, maybe even a little bit earlier. And he said, you won't see anything in there about the rapture until the mid-1800s. Yes, if you look up the story of, uh, I think her name was Margaret McDonald, I, th- I believe, I don't, McDougal, McDonald, whatever it was, uh, that's when all this started to come to play. And anyways, I don't want to get on a rabbit trail. I want to get real because I'm concerned that we're not taking appropriate preparations, and that's what tonight's program's about. So if you want to just turn it off because you did, you want to hear something radical like we're going to get struck by a missile tomorrow, look, and we may, then you just go ahead and turn it off. But if you want to get some meat tonight and you want to look at something that's actually life-changing, tonight's message is going to be life-changing because we need to understand what it means to stay and how it is we are going to stay focused on the Lord through these last days. And honestly, folks, it's going to come back to worship. It's going to come back to worship. And the only way we can get worship down correctly is we've got to look at the very Word of God to understand what worship is all about. You know, I recently did a uh, was on my way down to a church uh, to preach uh, the other week. And when I got down there, I'd prepared a sermon. I was ready. I had it ready to go. I, was on, I had it on my iPad because my printer's not printing very well. And I was ready to speak. I'd sent the title off, the information. People came. They were ready to hear. And when I got there, I had my message open right behind the lady who was playing the piano. And I was looking at it and everything. But something didn't feel right about this sermon. I'd prepared it. I was ready to go. But I, I had a weird feeling the whole time. And I get there, and I'm I'm a guy runs an IT company. I have one, and and I know I've been in this field for years. I understand technology. I know how to find stuff. I know if something a file's missing or something. I know where to go look for it. And I'm not kidding you. I was on my iPad, and for a moment I just closed the file down. You know, an iPad's not like something that you don't hit delete and all that stuff as easy as as you do on other things. I just closed the file down, went to go reopen it again, and it was gone from my laptop. I mean, my iPad. And here it is, it's time for me to get up and begin to preach. And these people have come here to hear. 
And I remember at that moment, I was getting very nervous because I'm like, oh my, I was like, this is gone. I don't, I don't have a message. I, I was prepared for this. I, I got here and, I, and you know, I was like, and, and, and you know, the devil starts to say all kinds of things in your ear and tell you all kinds of stuff, you know, and how bad this is going to be and all this thing. And, and I remember I'm getting up there and I'm walking up to the, to the podium and I'm, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I, and I'm struggling. I'm up there. I'm like, Hey, I'm hold on a minute. Kind of making a little joke, you know, trying to find my sermon, misplay, you know, just kind of be lighthearted for a second. And, and and I'm looking, and finally, I had to give up and realize God wanted me to speak something else that day. And I'm telling you, I was nervous, but I did. And at the end, I realized God got it his way and not mine. The reason is that message was not intended for them. It obviously came from my flesh. It didn't come from the spirit and God realized, or God let me know that that was not what I wanted to preach. Now, folks, the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's important that we are in tune with what God wants us to do in this last hour. And the reason that is so important is because if the Lord comes and says, hey, Frank, or hey, Joe, or hey, uh, uh, Sue, or whatever your name is, I want you to go here, or go there, or do this, or not do that, or, or whatever it is, how are you going to know it's the Lord versus someone else? And we all know about praying and fasting, which we big promoters of here on the Remnant Call. But I want to truly focus back on worship. Because worship is so important, and it is so amazingly lied about, misconstrued about. It is, it's misrepresented because people have no idea what true biblical worship is because they have never studied it in the Word of God. So if I was going to talk about something on the remnant call that I truly wanted to grip your heart, this is what it is right here. And I'm just going to pray again for a moment. Father, in Jesus' name, take control of everything. Amen. Have you ever, let me ask you a question though. Have you ever heard a song that just gripped you so powerfully? I mean, gripped you in such a way that it was almost crippling at times. I mean, the words kind of hit the depth of your soul. I remember the first time I had heard that song years ago called The Heart of Worship. And even though I'm, I like a lot of traditional hymns and everything, I listen to a few a little bit newer songs. I, I don't believe a lot of it is all godly, that's for sure. So I try to weed through what is from you know the Lord and what is from the flesh of this New Age Christian music movement. But when I first heard that song, it gripped me so hard. And the words that were in it were so powerful because it elevated God to the level that he deserved to be at. And so I wanted to take a moment here just to look uh, back at the Word of God, maybe just kind of scratch the surface even, to what does it mean to actually be in the heart of worship? I want to start reading in John chapter 3, starting in verse 22 through 30, and listen to what it says. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized, and John also was baptizing in Anon near Salim, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question among some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, 
He that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Now think about this. The disciples are coming say, hey, John, John, whoa, 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 I know you're baptizing, but, but wait a second, we got an issue here, John, okay? Other people are coming, and they're getting baptized by this other person, you know, like, how, John, they're not all coming to you. You know, we got a big problem here. So John continues when he... He says, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, he's John's now talking about himself, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Wow. Powerful, powerful words from John the Baptist. He had a mission. And when Jesus came on the scene and started overtaking his quote unquote church, right? He's now the baptized. John wasn't upset. He said, I am rejoicing. And now my thing to do is I need to decrease while he increases. You know, there's a song I remember one time we saw this guy and he said this song, A Little More Jesus and A Whole Lot Less of Me. And that is such the truth. Folks, we need a whole lot more of the Lord and a whole lot less of us. So we really need to answer the question. If it's not about us and it's truly about Jesus, then we must define worship and what is actually the heart of worship. So I wanted to start back in the 1828 Noah Webster Dictionary. I'm a King James guy. I love the King James. And uh, when I try to want to find out what the words really meant when they decided to use that word, I go back to the 1828. I look also at the original language, too. But to try to find out the English word, why they chose that word. So looking it up in the 1828 uh, Noah Webster Dictionary, this is what it says about worship. It says, chiefly and eminently, the act of paying divine honors to the supreme being or the reverence and homage paid to him in religious exercises consisting in adoration, confession, prayer, thanksgiving, and the like. To pay divine honors to, to reverence with supreme respect and veneration, to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission as a lover. I thought that was a powerful definition in the Noah Webster Dictionary. That we worship is not just simply singing a song. It is paying honor, chiefly and eminently mean, there to one person specifically, to our Heavenly Father, paying homage and honor to the Supreme Being as a lover, someone who not only respects, but also loves with a passionate love. How does the Strong's Define it. When the Old Testament, the word for it was shakal, and it was a primitive root. Uh, it meaning it meant to lay prostrate, uh, down to crotch and to fall down. Uh, in the New Testament, it was proskuneo. I, I don't know. I'm not a Greek scholar, and it probably it, it derives from another word, but it means the same thing: to fawn or to crouch, to prostrate oneself in homage. That this 
this person, this being, this Father in heaven, this Almighty that we are that we are worshiping. That there's there's such a reverence and an awe for this that we are falling down on our knees in homage to this person. You know, it's interesting. Years ago, you, know, you see the people getting knocked all over, all over in church and everything. I always found it interesting that in the Bible, when the Spirit of the Living God hits somebody, they always fell forward. Think about that. Now that we have those some basic meaning of the word worship, let's look at the Bible and see if we can begin to discover what the heart of worship is all about. The earliest translation of this Hebrew word shakah, and, and there's kind of a, a, a rule about the Bible, that the first place that something is used in the Bible is the foundation of really where you get your translation, the, first, the understanding of what it means the first time used in the Bible. And it's found in Genesis 22, 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. So here, Abraham's talking about it. And he says, listen, I am going up here to worship. Now, if you remember the story, that worship was actually, he was going to sacrifice his son Isaac. Okay, now thank God it was not, the Lord was trying to show a, a, a deeper meaning that, that this was not about Abraham or us having to sacrifice our children. It was actually about God was going to sacrifice his own son. And, but, but the word worship here is associated the first time, and we see it in the Bible here, with sacrifice. And it starts by laying down a life on the altar. What a place to start as a believer. Lord, I'm yours. I'm here, Lord, laying it down. I want to lay down my life to you. Whatever you want, Lord, that's what I want to do is lay down my life to you. I remember when I first gave my heart to the Lord in 1999, and I was there, and I was listening to the preacher preach, and he was getting ready to make the altar call. Folks, I was so convicted. If he would have read off the label of a can of tuna fish, I was coming forward. It didn't matter. I was coming. I was ready. If the, if the Lord would have said, Frank, the only way you can get baptized is you have to hop all the way to church on one foot, I would have started hopping because no matter what, I wanted to follow the Lord. No matter what it took, didn't matter the cost, I wanted to follow. Looking a little more at this, uh, Exodus chapter 24, uh, kind of gives some more in conjunction with this. And he said unto Moses, come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall people go up with him. Now that's interesting to think about. The first time Abraham was going up, it was about sacrifice and laying our lives down on the altar. But this time the focus is actually the same thing, kind of being in God's presence becomes what the actual focus is of here. And listen, let me read it again. Exodus 24, chapter, verse 1. And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord thou. And Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel, and worship ye afar off. And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come nigh, neither shall the people go up unto him. Now, this was interesting because what's talked about here is the word again, worship. 
But this time, worship is in that context of being close in God's presence. Now, folks, you got to understand that the way we worship is not only laying down and sacrificial, but we have to get into God's presence by coming near to him. And we know that starts in that prayer closet, doesn't it? We come nigh unto the Lord. We draw near unto him. And that which we do in secret, he will reward us openly because the Lord desires that we would we would draw near unto him. Now, continuing in the word in Exodus chapter 34, this is what it says, for thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Let thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they go a whoring after their gods and do sacrifice unto the God their gods. And one call thee and thou eat of his sacrifice, and thou take of their daughters unto the sons, and their daughters go a whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go a whoring after their gods. So what the Lord is saying is that I don't want you to have any other gods, because I'm jealous, okay? No other gods, because once you start going after other gods, you'll give your sons and your daughters away to them. You will start caring about the things of God. And so the part of worship is we need to get the things out of our lives that are becoming gods, whether it's technology, whether it's whatever that is, whether it's a love of something, uh, it doesn't matter. But anything that's beginning to take the place and time of your time with God is becoming a god in your life. Once that happens, you will begin to pass down that kind of worship unto family members, children, and other people because fathers and mothers, we set the examples in our homes to our children on what it means to worship God. And if we have other gods, our children will have other gods also. Deuteronomy chapter 26, starting in verse 10. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which thou, O Lord, hast given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee, and unto thine house, thou and the Levite and the stranger that is among you, when thou hast made an end of tithing all the tithes and increase of the third year, which is the year of tithing, and hast given it unto the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, that they may eat within thy gates and be filled. Now, this is a very uh, different approach to what it means to worship than what we already looked at. So God, in verse 10, he says, and worship before thy God. But a part of your worship here is actually taking care of other people. He says, I want you to bring your tithes and your and, and, thing, and even the first fruits of the Bible says, I want you to bring your tithes to the, the Levites and the stranger and the fatherless. I want you to take care of others because when you come to worship me, God says this is about worship. Part of your worship is caring for other people. Listen, folks, in the Bible, you can look at all the things the Lord wants us to do. And I believe follow his commandments and do what he says and love others. But if you look at the final day, the end question that happens in the in Matthew uh, chapter 25 the lord talks about taking care of those who couldn't take care of themselves that's on judgment day he doesn't bring up all these other things well how much did you do this or how much did you do this he says what did you do for those who couldn't help themselves because when you take care of them it's like you are taking care of the lord himself if you're feeding those who are hungry jesus said it's like feeding him directly and a part of worship according to the very word of God here in Deuteronomy is actually 
taking care of other people. Joshua, uh, and it came to pass when Joshua was at Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with the sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the Lord of the hosts am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face and the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servants? And the captain of the Lord of hosts said unto Joshua, Joshua, loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did. Now, this is amazing. And I want to read, before I comment on this, another verse that goes right along in, in Psalms 96, 6 through 9. says this, Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. So this is interesting because when the angel came to Joshua, and right here also in the song, part of worship is understanding and recognizing the holiness of God, who he is, the respect. Hey, Joshua, take your shoes off, man. You're on holy ground right now, brother. You are in the presence of the Almighty because the angel, the angel of the Lord, there are lots of angels in the Bible. There's only one angel of the Lord is there right now. You are in the presence of the Almighty. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. Folks, we got to understand what it means to be in the presence and to stand once again on holy ground. You can only do that when you recognize as a part of your worship the holy things of God, and they are holy, and he is due our reverence and our respect because he is worthy of all of our worship and honor and praise. Psalm 99, 5 says this, exalt ye the Lord our God and worship at his footstool for he is holy. This is powerful and I love this verse because it talks about coming and worshiping at the Lord's footstool. Now, if you know anything in the word of God, the footstool is also known as the mercy seat. It is the footstool of God. You can look it up. It's where his feet rest. And we know that when we come to worship, and you've heard it often, falling at the feet of Jesus, there is biblical context behind this because there's mercy at the feet of our Father, the feet of the Lord. There is mercy to be found there because his feet rest upon the mercy seat. So when we fall at the feet of our Lord. We're falling at the feet of Jesus. It's a reminder that the footstool of God is his mercy seat. And we need to come boldly to his throne of grace. And we fall down. And that's where we bring our problems and our cares to his mercy seat. And when we come in there, he has forgiveness and grace. And it is a part of our worship, the Bible says in Psalm 99. Worship at his footstool at his feet as we lay down there we are prostrate before him continuing on into the new testament luke chapter 14 starting in verse 10 but when thou art bidden go and sit down in the lowest room that when ye that he that bade thee cometh he may say unto thee friend go up higher then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. 
So I love this in Luke because it says that if you want to be exalted, if you want your worship to be right in God's eyes, we need to humble ourselves. Well, we know humbling, fasting and praying, seeking ourselves. And, and humbling comes naturally when we begin to exalt the very presence and the holy things of God. And God says that if you are humbled, if you, if you are not worried about always being the first, if you're not worried about putting yourself above others, but instead you take the lower seats, you're, you don't mind sitting in the back. You don't mind not being always recognized for all the things you do. You don't mind these things. God says, I will exalt you in your worship. Because he that humbleth himself shall be exalted, and you will have worship, the Bible says. John 4, starting in verse 19, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive it that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh. When ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father, ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. You see, folks, the heart of worship, it's not only about understanding the holiness and the throne and, and and what it means to worship at his feet. But it's also about humility and worshiping God in spirit and in truth. What does that mean to worship him in spirit and in truth? Well, I, I can just tell you some things from experience. There are prayer, there's prayer times, and then there's prayer times. And if you've ever had a prayer time, when you know the Lord's presence is there. Now, folks, you can we go through dry spells. We don't hear, we don't feel, we don't think, you don't, you know, Job went through the same thing. Don't you give up. Okay. There are seasons where there's dryness. But I'm talking about that inter- that time when you know that it's God's presence that is there. There's something that happens. You can't explain it to somebody else. You'll never know it until you've been in that place. But you are praying in such a way that you begin to touch the very heart of God, and he begins to touch you in such a way that you understand what it means to worship him in spirit and in truth. And the only way you can worship the Lord in spirit and in truth is by giving getting into his word because it's in truth, right? We got to know about the truth. We got to know about Jesus, but the father rewards those who diligently seek him. He showers us with more abundance of his spirit in a more powerful way. As we begin to draw close to him and he begins to break through and you will understand truly what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. Now I know some people say, well, I'm worshiping spirits. I'm, I'm out here just talking in tongues and all these things like that. Folks, I'm not here to get into that whole debate and everything about that and everything. I'm just trying to say that just because you speak in some tongue at some time doesn't mean you're speaking in the spirit. I've heard that stuff made up before on the whim. I was there in a church and we reserved the right to speak in tongues. I was like, you're just making that up. You're making that up literally out of your own flesh. Okay. And I'm not going down this rabbit trail. What I'm going down is, you know who I'm talking about. You know what it's like when you've been in his presence to worship him in spirit and in truth. That comes through spending 
time with them. It's kind of like you know when you have a spouse and you're close to your spouse and you begin to understand and know what they're thinking, what's on their heart when something's not right. Your spirit is connecting, even though you haven't said it in words, even though they, they haven't said it, you can sense it and understand it because the spirits begin to to mingle together and there's something that's said that's not said. And this happens with God when we start to share his heart because we worship him and we and we begin to draw close to him that we will understand what it means to truly worship him in spirit and in truth. Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 8, and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and the twenty elders fall down before him and sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are worthy and were created. So this is interesting. You see this whole thing coming together that we just talked about right here in Revelation 4. We have the four beasts, the 24 elders, all of them gathered around here together, the seraphim standing there. And, and, and the Bible says that they, they, they are crying out constantly, holy, holy, holy. And those that sat on the throne with him, the 24 elders, it said that, that they cast their throne, their crowns before the Lord. They fall down. They give back their crowns. They're there worshiping all the things. They are humbled. Yes, they've been exalted, but you can still see the humility because they understand the worthiness of him whom they are worshiping. And all the things we just talked to are so summed up right here in this few verses in Revelation chapter 4 of what it means for even those who have already been in a glorified state with their Father that is in heaven, the four beasts, the seraphim, uh, the, the 24 elders, they are still understanding what it means to be God as they recognize His holiness and His majesty. It overwhelms them so much they don't even want their crowns that they've been crowned with. They don't even want it. They just want God to be glorified. Oh, folks, what does it mean when God can be so glorified in your life that you no longer want any praise from a man or a woman? All you want is God to be glorified and you get money in or you get something else in. You're like, Lord, I don't know. I've got this extra money. Lord, how can I bless you somehow? Or or, Lord, you've, you've blessed me with this gift. How can I share my talent with somebody else? Whatever it may be be. You don't care about your own your own will and desire anymore. You are only worried about your heavenly Father. What a glorious thing. And so I come to the conclusion that to truly embrace the heart of worship, one must give everything to God. Warren W. Wearsby said it the best when he defined worship. For worship is the submission of all our nature to God. It is the quickening of conscience by his holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination by his beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, the surrender of his will to his purpose, and all of this gathered up in adoration, the most selfless emotion of which our nature is capable and therefore the chief remedy 
for the self-centeredness which is our original sin and the source of all actual sin. That's powerful. He's like, it's ought about us. That's been the problem. Our self-centeredness is what gets us into trouble. It's humanism wrapped in religion that is the biggest enemy that we face so often when we simply serve God for what we can get instead of what he's worth. And he's worth everything. Today in this age, we constantly remake what worship is. And I realize that the flesh-driven methods of worship remove the focus away from God and onto us. Oh, I'll tell you, I've, you've been there before. You got a church, they've got their little band going and everything, and next thing you know, the lead uh, guitar player breaks out in a solo. and It's all about them and what they can do. I've done a lot of worship music in church, and our prayer's always been this, Lord, let us be so good that we don't detract from worship, but yet let us never draw attention to ourselves. We want to do worship in such a way that we've practiced and we've made sure that we do a good job, but never in such a way that we want to break out and draw attention to us. The youth don't like the music that are in churches today. The adults don't like the youth. The sermons are not on what uh, we want to hear so often. The pastor doesn't do what we want him to do. Church has become so flesh-driven that we have lost sight of what the heart of worship is all about. And today, you know what? There isn't even church going on hardly anymore. People are so living in fear, they don't even understand what it means to worship anymore. We talk about loving each other. But the truth is, our lives don't reflect it. All we care about today is picking apart everything that's going on. Listen, we do it here on The Remnant Call about what's going on in society. The world is a disaster. Yes, we call it as it is. But what I've noticed is when we begin to pick apart others that call themselves believers. Listen, folks, there are people that don't agree just with what I say. That doesn't mean I don't love them and I don't care for them. That has nothing to do with it. Because truly, folks, we are all messed up in some way or another. We all are in need of the Lord. But one indicator that we are not in the the heart of worship is this. If you are always angry and bitter and picking apart something that someone else is doing instead of going around and worshiping our God and sharing his love to others. If all you do is sit and complain and, and about everything else and you never have nothing nice to say, you probably are not in the heart of worship right now. Many, I mean almost everyone today is struggling. Many are at the end of your rope even listening to this program. You've had things happen to you you don't understand. You try again and again to overcome and break free from the hurt and the sin. We cry and we are so tired of grieving God's heart. We feel like our prayers don't even make it past the ceiling. We wonder, can God get us out of this mess that we are in? Folks, I'm here to tell you today, God wants to bring you and I and everyone else that is willing back in to the heart of worship. I want to play to you a song. You know this song, but I don't know if you've ever heard this version of it before. I want to play with you this song as we begin to close. Because I want you to understand, it's not about us. It's about Him. It's about the Lord. Listen with me now. 
When the music fades And all is stripped away And I simply count Longing just to Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. A king of endless worth, and no one could express. How much you deserve Though I'm weak and poor All I have is yours Every single breath Now bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. When it's all about you, it's all about you.
it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. When it's all about you, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. Folks, the Lord is is calling us at this moment back to the heart of worship. Folks, we've got to get on God's plan. There's so much confusion and deception going around in this world. And the only way we are going to stay on track if we get back into the heart of worship. I know many people have been taught a whole lot of different things. And I'm not, I, don't, I didn't answer tonight every question about worship out there. But I hope we were able to lay the groundwork. It's not about us. It's about him. And you can hoop and holler all you want, but if you don't get into his heart and you don't get into his way and you don't follow his word and do the things that he wants us to do, then you're just going to be simply hooping and hollering and missing on the things God wants you to do in this hour. The deception's so strong, I dare not trust my flesh in this hour. The deception is so powerful, I dare not think that I can walk on my own. What am I to do? I'm to worship, humble myself, fasting, praying, seeking, singing to the Lord, worshiping at his mercy seat, at his feet, not worried about my own desire, my own will, but his desire and his will in this hour. And folks, I'm telling you, if you will do these things, God will exalt you in his kingdom. There's not much time left on this earth and things are going to get dangerous. But the Lord said he promised never to leave us nor forsake us. He will be there with us. But the only way we are going to hear his voice in these hours, not the voice of Brother Frank or Benjamin or any guest that I've had on this program, I'm talking about hearing from the Lord directly. Our stuff means nothing. You need to hear from the Lord in this last hours on this earth. And it comes by getting into tune with his heart. And God will begin to speak. And we will begin to connect and understand what the Lord wants us to do. Just like when I was down there fighting against that sermon, I had to finally give in and submit unto the Lord that he wanted me to speak something else different that day. And I'm certainly glad he did, because when I was done, we all knew that the Lord had made a change to the worship service that day. And I'm telling you folks, he's going to be changing a lot of things in our lives coming soon. So get ready. Get back to the heart of worship. And I'm telling you, watch what your heavenly Father will do. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Blow a trumpet in Zion, for the day of the Lord is come.
Ciao, 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 ciao